We're going to find out. Oh. I thought I could do it from my phone, right? But I don't think the board's hooked up to the wife. I turn that one on. Yep, no, I looked at all that. Morning, everybody. We are going to open with Ferris Lord Jesus, number 189, followed by There is a Fountain Filled with Blood, 622.
Oh, I see I had a typo there. I told you we're going to get rid of it early. <laughs> okay, the announcements for this week. We have American Heritage Girls on Monday at 6, Staff Parish at 6 p.m. Tuesday, Ladies Bible Study at Liebler's House at 7.15. Have prayer time at 6.30 in the evening. I think Pastor Pat's going to be back for that one. Wednesday is Lenten service at Trinity Lutheran. They are collecting toilet paper this week. That is at 6.30. Thursday, Covenant Group, 10 a.m. Thursday at 11 a.m. is Community Soup. And then the Almighty Bazaar, Saturday, 8.30 to 2 p.m. Anybody else have anything? Hold on, I'm going to bring you the mic. Okay, this is just a reminder that Saturday's our Spring Bazaar, and I'm going to send around clipboards again for any baked goods, pies, breads, cookies, cakes, candies, whatever your specialty is. Also, get with us after church if somebody would like to make cookies for Thursday for the soup lunch. Okay. Let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, the people in the sanctuary and their families, and the people that who could not attend in person. We thank you for all the gifts you give us each and every day. We ask you to continue to show us the way to your righteousness and to continue to speak your word. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, we have the praise band now. You can use this one.
It's time for young disciples. Good morning, guys. quarter after 10. <laughs> All right, um, today I'm going to read you a Bible verse, and I forgot my Bible, so phones do come in handy sometimes. I have my Bible on my phone. This is a Bible verse from the book of Mark, and it's uh, Mark 4, 26 and 27, and it says, he also said this, this is what the kingdom of God is like. 
A man scatters seeds on the ground. Day and night, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, even though he does not know how. So today I'm going to talk to you about, I'm sure you guys have all heard about Johnny Appleseed. Do you know who that is? Have you heard about him? So Johnny Appleseed was not his real name. His real name was John Chapman, and he was born in Massachusetts um, in the 1700s. And he was a man who worked with um, trees and shrubs and plants and flowers. But he especially loved um, apple trees. And he loved them so much that he thought that he would take his seeds, take the apples, and share them with all the people around him. So at first he just started, um, when he would eat the apples, he would save the seeds. He would plant the seeds so more apple trees would grow. But that wasn't good enough for him, so eventually he saved all these seeds, and he would travel around the country, all over, and he would take his seeds with him and plant them. He was a really simple man, and he usually did not wear any shoes, he walked barefoot wherever he went, kind of like me. I like, I be, like being barefoot. Does any, do any of you like to be barefoot? Summertime. All right, so he walked barefoot. His shirt was made out of a seed sack that he cut holes in for his arms and his head. And he just didn't really care. He lived outside. He loved the outdoors. And he loved to take his apple seeds and he would plant them in all the places that he would go, and he would give people extra seeds so that they could plant them throughout the year so that when you eat an apple, you're going to know that this actually came probably from Johnny Appleseed, right? So, um, and you're probably wondering why does that have to do with anything with the Bible, right? But just like he loved spreading his seeds and his love for um, apples and apple trees, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to um, show our love for him to other people. So by doing that, or in a way that you could do that, is maybe you could talk to your friends about God. You could invite them to church and just talk to them about how you're a Christian and how you love coming to church and how you love to talk about Jesus Maybe you could just give them something simple to talk about. And so when you talk to them about that, that plants a little seed in their mind and the roots of Jesus will grow. And that's just what God wants us to do is just to spread his word, just like Johnny Appleseed spread the apple trees all over our world, okay? All right, let's say a little prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for these children. Thank you for the lessons that you teach us. And we thank you for the simple things in life and just help us to be brave enough and good enough to share the word of Jesus, your son, with all of our friends and all our family. In your name, amen. amen.
Don't crush the cheeses. Okay, joys and concerns. Oh, come on, y'all make me run every week. I have a joy and a concern. The joy is for me. The test that I took my, on my heart last December turned out that there was a glitch in it, and I do not have AFib. My heart is fine. I just, it took me this long to, <laughs> you know, but thankfully that's the, that's the result. And then the concern, I don't know how many know Wayne and Kelly Smith. Um, you probably maybe know Juanita and uh, Wayne, and it'd be their uh, grandson and his wife just had a baby girl Monday. Uh, her name is Quinlan, and everything seemed fine, except they couldn't get her uh, temperature up. It was too low, dangerously low, and uh, they thought it was gonna be a no deal, you know, just do whatever, but that hasn't happened. And they finally let her come home, I'm not sure, Tuesday night maybe, she was only home, I come home Wednesday morning, I guess, and she was only home until about 11 o'clock that night and they had to take her back. Uh, the temperature again was, was plummeting. And they have found out there's just a lot of problems. Uh, she will, has a condition that she will never be able to eat protein in her lifetime. Uh, they still can't get the temperature regulated and there's just a lot of problems. And so uh, I was talking to Juanita last night and uh, it's a, a real concern. And I told her that I would ask our church to join them in prayer. Oh, by the way, the baby's name is Quinlan. I never get that lucky. Eldon, Phyllis has her hand up. Well, while he's walking over there, I'm going to share a joy for Pastor Pat. As many of you know, he's back in town. Uh, they uh, increased their family size by one this past week. I don't know if you all saw it, but he got himself a big old dog. His name's Rhino. It's five and a half months, 95 pounds. 
I, I think we should lift up a number of families. I'm not going to list two or three of them, but uh, that young men in their young men in their late 50s have been killed in car accidents, two, two of them, and one in his home. Just, they found him dead in his home. So um, we need to lift those families up. I'm, I'm not going to name them. Anybody else? I just asked for prayers for my daughter, Sarah. She's pregnant with her third child, and she has what they call pelvic separation, so she's unable to get up and walk. She has two small children right now. Fortunately, her husband's working from home, but um, she's in a kind of a dark place right now. So just ask for prayers. Anyone else? Here. <laughs> uh, prayers for one of the friends here in town, Ross McGivory. He's in the hospital, and uh, pray that he'll he'll better do better. I appreciate it. Oh, we've got a couple in here today: uh, Scott and Christy, Doris's daughter and son-in-law. Pretty good people. I'm sitting beside them. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Lord, we thank you for the joys that have been shared with us this morning. Please continue to provide grace over those that need your care. Please continue to keep your arms around us and our loved ones. Keep us safe from the craziness of the world. We praise you and thank you. Amen. Please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Ushers, please.
Father, we thank you for allowing us to be able to give back to your ministry that spreads your word through these offerings. Please now take it and use it for your kingdom and your glory. Amen. Amen. Who's that? Eldon's going to bring you the microphone. Sorry to make you repeat it again, but I'll mess that up. Jody Stevens' son, Danny, passed away this past week. Uh, the funeral is Tuesday, and so we want to keep Jody and her family in our prayers. Kids are gone. At this time, I would like to present Mr. Jim Elzerman. He is today's guest speaker. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, thank you for the warm welcome, and I'm glad to hear that our, there are some good people here. I really appreciate that. Um, I had a dream last night that I got up here and this lectern was like this high. So my notes were at my knees and I couldn't see a thing. So when I got in here, the first thing I kind of checked was how high is this thing? So I was glad to see it. Um, it's good to see some old friends here too. Or I should say friends of old. I don't want to say old friends. My definition of old keeps getting a little bit higher as I get up there myself. Uh, my wife, Carolyn, is with me here this morning. We are members at Trinity Methodist Church in Lapeer. And uh, I started dating her in the early 70s, and that's when I started going to Lapeer. And we were married there, lived in Port Huron a couple years, then moved back in 1978. So we've been longtime members of Trinity. And if you talk to Carolyn, she'll tell you she was born at the church. I think she really was. So all of those people here who were born here, welcome. Good, good to see all of you. Uh, we've, uh, we've got two kids, just to tell you a little bit about ourselves, we have two kids, they're both married, they're married to wonderful people, they each have kids, we have nine grandchildren at all, they're all boys, so uh, I think that kind of sets us apart a little bit. I retired about five years ago, and so that's kind of the season of life we're in right now, as we're enjoying our lives, our grandkids, uh, very involved in our church, and uh, life, life is good. Um, we were in Florida recently, and so I think this is, in the last five Sundays, this is the fifth different church we've been worshiping in. One of them was a traditional service and then a formal. We spent uh, one Sunday in, in Tennessee, in Franklin, Tennessee, with our oldest grandson going to school, went back to our church last week, and here we are today. So I guess the, uh, the thing to note is we have brothers and sisters all over here this morning, down the street, down the road a little ways, across this whole country, across the whole world. And I, I heard there might be people listening from all around the world. So we always have to keep in mind we are not alone. And uh, we are worshiping here today, and then we have brothers and sisters all over the world that are giving praise to God also. As I was, well, Mike called me 
middle or end of February about speaking here this morning, and as I was thinking about what to talk about this morning, I kept coming back to the season we are in right now at all of the upcoming events. Jesus loved us so much that he left his heavenly home, humbled himself to become one of us. He lived his life experiencing life as we do. We have our ups and downs. We have our challenges, and he did too. And in these final days of the Easter season, we again remember how much he loved us, so much that he gave his life for us. Next Sunday, a week from today, is Palm Sunday. And that's when we know that Jesus entered Jerusalem. He could have avoided going there because he knew what was going to happen, but he didn't. He still went there. Then many of us, I see you too, will be celebrating Monday, Thursday. Jesus, the servant, washing his disciples' feet, holding the, the Last Supper, breaking the bread and the wine, representing his body and blood that he shed for us. We're going to celebrate that too. And then the next day, he's arrested. He's uh, beaten, humiliated, um, scorned by everyone, and then hangs on the cross for us. Then comes Easter Sunday, the empty tomb, the resurrection, his appearance to so many people over the next number of days, and then finally the ascension into heaven. So I've been thinking about what Jesus might have been thinking about in his final days on this earth, knowing that soon he was going to be going into Jerusalem, knowing what was going to happen to him. In fact, in the book of Luke, starting in chapter 18, verses 31 to 34, he gives his disciples a little clue about what's going to happen. And it goes like so. Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. So if anything, the disciples probably thought Jesus is finally going to establish his kingdom here on earth. And then continuing in Luke, after Jesus said this, we read of Jesus healing a blind man, and then the account of Jesus dining at the home of Zacchaeus, the despised and wealthy chief tax collector. In other words, in his final days, Jesus kept ministering to the sick, associating with the outcasts of society, and of course, kept teaching his followers especially the disciples. After this, Luke records this parable that I will focus on this morning. Now, this is a parable of great news for those of us he calls his own, but there are also harsh words for those who rebel against him. So hear these words of Jesus found in Luke 19, verses 12 to 27. He said, that being Jesus, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. 
The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in, and you reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit, so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, Take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Lord, we thank you for your words, the words of Jesus in these final days that he was on earth. Lord, we we see that there is some great news in here and some troubling news. So, Lord, we ask for wisdom to understand what it is you are saying to each one of us this morning regarding this scripture. Amen. There's a somewhat similar account to this found in Matthew 25. Bags of gold is referenced instead of the mina. And the ending phrase is, is a little different. In Matthew 25, verse 30, it says, And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Either way, the result is pretty horrible for, for some of these. Now, to interpret this parable at a very, very high level, a couple of very basic truths are revealed or again stated by Jesus. I read a couple of moments ago the words of Jesus predicting his death, which was the third time he had done that. This parable goes further in the timeline. We see Jesus will go away for a while and then will return to judge us all. He is telling us his kingdom is not yet here in its final form, and that is where we are today. There will be a time when each of us will be called to give an account of our lives. Some will be rewarded nicely and rule in his kingdom, while others will be turned away for eternity. Now, through the years, I've had a recurring dream, not a very pleasant one, and Carolyn has had this same dream. Maybe some of you had too, but in this dream, I'm in college. It's the last week of the semester. It's exam week. And all of a sudden, I remember I signed up for a class that I hadn't attended all year long. I search and search for the classroom, going building to building. I finally find it and walk in while the final test is in progress. Of course, everyone is looking at me, wondering what I'm doing there, while I have this embarrassed, sinking feeling when given the test of material that I know very little about. That's about the time that I wake up. I experience a huge sigh of relief, happy that it was just a dream, and I would not experience the ramifications of failing that final test. I'm guessing that many of you also have had dreams where you're happy to wake up, relieved it was just a dream. But what if we were standing before Jesus? realizing too late that we must give an account to him and we have not been doing what we were supposed to have done. That would be an awful nightmare from which you would not wake up. We will spend eternity either with the king or separated forever. Now as I break down this parable, the first section deals with the king's departure 
He refers to a noble, a man of noble birth, went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. Apparently, steps had to be taken and followed to validate the royalty claimed by this man. He had to be vetted by the government and claims had to be verified and validated, a process that could take a while. As I just alluded to, I believe Jesus is actually referring to himself. It was Jesus himself who would leave this earth and then return at a later time. Just as the king in the parable had royal heritage, so too did Jesus. Just read Matthew 1 and you can see the long lineage before Jesus. Now if the king in the parable is Jesus, then we are now living in the time waiting for his return. We know that Jesus ascended into heaven, is seated at the Father's side, he is interceding for us, and will one day return to earth. And he also told us in a familiar scripture about preparing a place for us, and that he would come back for us. There is a, uh, the, the next section talks about the king's gift and instructions given to his servants. Now, before the king left, he called them together, a number of his servants, gave them a generous sum of money and told them to put the money to work until his return. The king-to-be didn't want them just sitting around waiting for him to return. He wanted them to stay busy with a purpose to see a return on the money. I believe in today's terms, the gift is the life we have been given along with the gospel message. We read in a very familiar verse, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So Jesus left his heavenly home, lived here on earth, gave himself for us, and died for our sins. That is the gift he has given us. What we need to do is believe and accept that. Note that all ten of the servants received the same gift. And again, we are the servants given the very same gift. And what we do with this gift during the king's absence is the focus of the parable. I see three groups of people in this parable, and it's important to notice the different attitudes and responses. The first group, some despised him. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. Remember the attitudes of the religious leaders in Jesus' day. They did not want to accept Jesus as the Son of God. They refused to look at him as king. And they, in fact, tried to bring him down. In front of Pontius Pilate, the chief priest, the religious ruler states, we have no king but Caesar. There are some people that simply want nothing to do with God, Jesus, or anything to do with the Christian faith. I have known people like this through my lifetime, mostly through work, and many were very, very nice and intelligent people. These were people from all over the world, different nationalities, spoke multiple languages, multiple, they held different religions, and many different life choices. But many simply refused to acknowledge a creator and just wanted to live life on their own terms, defining morality and purpose in their lives on their own terms. Now, I'm assuming there is no one here this morning that is this type of person. At least I hope there isn't. The question I have is, should we give up on these people? 
I think it's a clear no because the king addresses the fate of these in verse 27. And how about these enemies of mine who revolted? Bring them in and execute them before me. So what a challenge it is to try and witness to someone like this. But sometimes God puts all kinds of people in our lives so we can be his light to them and plant a seed. Speaking of Johnny Appleseed, that was an appropriate message for the morning. Through the years, I have had a number of discussions concerning various religions and in some cases, people who were staunch atheists. In my experience, people in general were curious about the joy that I showed in my words and actions, and I wasn't even trying. Know that we can be used anytime and anywhere. Now the second group, two of the servants did quite well with their investment. The first one said I increased it tenfold and the second one increased it fivefold, to which the king put him in charge of ten cities and five cities. So the king was pleased with these two servants and rewarded them for the gains even though nothing was promised when he left. He didn't say to him, I'm going to give you charge of cities when you come back, depending on what you do with a gift. That was a surprise, possibly a surprise to them. My hope is that I and all of us would fall into this category when meeting the king. So a question for us this morning. Is there anyone here who thinks this will be their story when you meet Jesus? Will he say to you, well done, here is your reward? Now, I want to raise my hand high and wave it back and forth, and I hope that many of you would do the same. My original intent for the message this morning was to concentrate on these two servants' successes, encouraging us to do, to do the same in our lives, looking forward to the rewards that are waiting for us. I was going to talk on how we can live to achieve the same results. God gave us his word, and all across the Old and New Testaments, we have advice, commands, guidance, and ways to live our lives. We talk on these things every week and throughout the week as we meet and worship. Now, to name a few, we believe that God is our creator, Jesus is our savior, the Holy Spirit, our comforter, is the one who dwells in us. There is a need for prayer, reading, and studying the word of God, forgiving one another as God has forgiven us, belonging to the body of Christ, working together to share the good news through ministries and so much more, and I see a lot of that happening here. These are all foundational principles, but I felt an urge to concentrate on the, res on the response of the next servant. This is the third one. So the third servant replied, Sir, here is your minah. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you. To which the king replied, You wicked servant. This servant's attitude toward the king-to-be was, I knew that if I worked hard for you and earn profits, you would just take them away from me anyhow. You're a hard man to deal with because you take what others gain and you confiscate, confiscate crops that others have planted. This servant had a totally different view of the king than the first two servants who worked hard to grow the gift. So what is it we can learn from this kind of person that looks on Jesus in this way, looking at Jesus as a demanding master making life hard for us, watching us to condemn us if we make a mistake in this life, punishing us for the decisions that we make. What can change a hardened heart of someone like this toward Jesus? It's easy to criticize this attitude, but sometimes we get to a place where even committed Christians ask, does Jesus love me? Does God love me? 
Look at my life. Look at this world. Look at the struggles I am going through. Look at others who seem to have it all while I suffer. We are told time and again, God loves us, but do we really believe it? Most of us concentrate on living the Christian life in many ways, as I described earlier, but do we take the time to acknowledge God's great love for us? Until we do, we can go through the motions, but our faith can weaken easily. When Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment, remember his answer? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now this can be difficult until we realize this love we do have to share comes from God. It is his nature and he is the source of that love. Sometimes I, and maybe you too, have trouble fully accepting God's love and his grace day to day. We can slip back into merit-based thinking. Am I doing enough to earn God's love? When we mess up or don't live up to our own expectations, the enemy loves to whisper in our ears how terrible we are and how God must be thoroughly disgusted with me and watch out bad things are going to happen. It is in these times that we need to take the time to embrace God's love for us, to be immersed in that love and understand what great, great love he has for us. As that sinks in, we can then move forward to be the people he wants us to be. Now for me, one of the ways I experience his love to this level is through music. I find a song that, first of all, has a great tune. That has to be, for me, is very important. And then I look at the words and how those words can speak to me. It's in these times that I get encouragement and direction for my life. It's in these times that God clearly shows me he is at my side. He hasn't left me. And it gives me the strength to do what he wants me to do. And it's in these times that I feel closeness to God to carry on. Now, to be specific, the current song I've been listening to is called Dancing on the Waves by We the Kingdom. Beautiful lyrics, great tune, and it just is a time that I feel that God is speaking to me directly. Now, a couple weeks ago, that was a song called Miracles by Michael W. Smith. So again, I would encourage you music lovers, find the song you probably already have, I'm sure. I also enjoy walking, and while I'm walking, talking with God, unless I happen to be walking along with someone else. I like taking a ride in the country, thanking God for his beautiful creation. And this morning on the way here, the little white stuff in the fields, it's beautiful, even though it's brown, it's still beautiful. And I open my heart to his love and presence and his voice. Another way that I can feel God's love is I look at my past, remind myself of the blessings and miracles where I can clearly see the hand of God on my life. I need to keep remembering what he did for me. I again think of Jesus and what he did some 2,000 years ago for me and you. I think of the future. God's promises to spend eternity with him in a place Jesus has prepared or is preparing for me. There are, these are the couple of the ways that work for me. And I would be curious when I can talk to some of you, what are some of the ways that work for you? How do you feel God's love personally? I believe that unless we take time to nurture this kind of relationship, our walk with God will suffer. How easily our hearts can be drawn away from God, his worth and his, his word and his truth. We can stray, question our walk, and over time our attitudes could become like the third servant who had disdain for the king. Apathy can set in, and we can 
um, we can be inclined to lose our passion. We have all been given the same gifts, the same gospel, and today is a time to evaluate what we are doing during his absence. That is the question Jesus is asking in this parable. The harsh reality is some of us are living only for ourselves while having plenty of excuses for not serving the king. I'm also thankful that when I do go it on my own, God doesn't give up on me and he won't give up on you. When I stray, God keeps seeking after me. Romans 8, 37 to 39 says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So in closing, as we continue through this Easter season, remember the journey of Jesus in his last days here on earth. Remember his love for every one of us that motivated him to keep going toward the cross. God had a plan for his life, for Jesus' life, and he stuck to it. God also has a plan for us, too. Stick to it. Day by day, live for the King Jesus, always thanking him for the sacrifice he made for us. Let his love motivate us in all we do. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this day, this time of worship, the chance we had to sing together, to hear words together, enjoy each other's fellowship. Thank you again, Lord. Speak to each one of us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now our closing hymn is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, found on page 400. Now go from this place 
with the peace that passes all understanding that only comes from God. Think of these next days and what was going through Jesus' mind as he was deciding to say, yes, I will go to Jerusalem and give him thanks and use it as a motivating love to continue service. Thank you. Amen. Thank you.